Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Journey to the West. I'm Jay, and I'm joined here today with Sen. Hi everyone, I'm Sen. And uh, we wanted to dive into some topical news very briefly, just because there have been some huge stories blowing up in the uh, Twitterverse that we'd want to address before we dive into something specifically for Women's Month. Before it ended, we wanted to talk about some badass Asian women uh, who are inspiring to look up to and close the month with a more positive note especially as an antidote to our previous pod, which was talking about a lot of the atrocities that Asian women have faced historically and today. Uh, So we're just going to start. The big things that we want to talk about today are the Christchurch mosque shooting in Australia. No, wait, in New New Zealand. Zealand. Okay. And also the admissions bribery scandal in the States. So I just want to hand that off to Sen to talk about the the shooting and the response to it. Uh, so this just happened like pretty recently in Christchurch, New Zealand. There was a white Australian. He was live streaming on Facebook, I believe, and he went into a mosque and shot the people inside and he killed 41 people and I think there's another 40 who are in hospital as well so it's pretty devastating and he had this whole manifesto about the white genocide and you know white supremacy bullshit and I don't know what to say other than it's this sort of thing has been brewing for a long time. The people saying that they're surprised at this are just not paying attention or they're feigning ignorance. So as much as I really want to focus on the victims, this has been a thing with politicians for a while. Like a lot of them, like the PM of Australia, like Scott Morrison, he was the former immigration minister. He was pretty anti-Muslim. And in 2011, he was talking about um, weaponizing the whole like anti-Islam sentiment to gain votes. Uh, there, there was the whole Fraser Anning thing where he kind of posted this thing where he says that the white perpetrator what caused this was the anti-immigration sentiment and that it was basically their fault for immigrating to New Zealand for their deaths and the only danger I see with this is a lot of people are saying that Fraser Anning is violently, uniquely racist, and that he only got in the Senate in Queensland on 19 votes. But the reality is there were 250,000 Queenslanders that voted for One Nation, which was the party he was a part of at the time. So 
he's not unique. And all the other politicians are just equally as complicit and racist. Yeah, condolences to the victims. And I hope this actually changes the way that the media and the politicians talk about Muslims and other minorities. But at the moment, I just don't believe that we're capable of that. Uh, A lot of people have said the same thing. One of the big issues that's been blowing up in the news lately has been this college admissions bribery scandal, which involves 50 people, around 50 people were charged and basically centered around a college admissions official who was using his access and authority and position to basically offer wealthy people the opportunity to pay their kids' way into college. A lot of prominent folks were involved, most notably Lori Loughlin and Felicity Huffman, who are famous actresses. Actually, Lori Loughlin was on the show that I used to watch growing up called Full House, played a character there. So kind of jarring to see that after this, this is what your your life is now culminating into. That's cool. Uh, basically, what this scheme involved uh, went from faking credentials on their applications to changing test answers once the tests were taken to even like paying a completely different person to pretend to be the student taking the test and take it instead for them. It was pretty extensive. It ran for, I believe it was 11 years that they were, they were saying. So it definitely highlights that if you are white and wealthy, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Basically Uh, you can bypass all of the, things that we tell ourselves make these systems meritocracies when they obviously are not. And that's not even addressing the built-in systems in there, like legacy admissions that basically are meant to help white people continue to be the heads of these institutions, to not suffer any consequences So it's really interesting and kind of vindicating to see that somebody's actually getting punished for this because these people got arrested. Um, A number of them posted bail because they have the money to do so. But it's still something. Just to, to hear about it in the news and to hear people highlighting that, hey, this shit actually happens and people are talking about it and they're not going to get away with it. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are skeptical that they will get, you know, any consequences that, that they deserve because, you know, they're famous. Maybe they're not going to be treated the same way. Uh, also because they're wealthy and they have the ability to hire great lawyers. Um, but it is really heartening to see that, 
people are kind of taking matters into their own hands and ensuring that there are specific consequences, even if legally the system doesn't necessarily carry it that far. Uh, some of the most obvious fallout is that media projects that these people were involved in immediately got pulled. So places like Netflix who broadcast shows that these actresses are in are no longer going to run that. So they're not going to be getting that publicity or money. Complete dissociation. Uh, I know one of the daughters of Lori Laughlin named Olivia Jade, who is a social media influencer, has her own makeup line. Uh, she doesn't anymore, at least not at Sephora, because a lot of people were protesting the fact that they were still selling her makeup amid all of this. And so the company decided, we're going to cut ties. You're not going to be able to sell your products here. And I imagine that her career is not going to go anywhere after this. So it's just a really great reminder that if you feel that the existing systems in place are failing you or are not doing enough, you can always do it yourself by applying pressure as a group to make sure that there are consequences for things like this. And we didn't want to spend too much time talking about these issues just because we want to dive into the rest of the episode, but we wanted to mention it because we felt it was important. Now on to badass Asian women in history. Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, two historical figures and one modern day figure. So the first one is named Nguyen uh, Thuy Yue. Uh, she was the, well, she was known as the Starlight Empress. She was the consort of one of the Muk um, emperors. And she disguised herself as a man and undertook the imperial examination and became the first and only woman to pass the exam. Uh, but upon people discovering her gender, she was uh, made part of the harem as a consort. It's interesting, her life, because after the Muk dynasty ended, um, she was taken as a captive, but the... The invaders, instead of imprisoning her, they allowed her to stay in court and she became a tutor of sorts because they valued her intellect. Okay, so the second person is known as Siti Wan Kembang. She was known as a legendary queen of Malaysia in the 16th century. Um, she was known as the warrior princess. She had, she rode on horseback and, you know, fought with the sword with her all-woman cavalry. And she never married. She had a successor, but she adopted a daughter named Pateri Sadong. And they were, like, so revered that, 
they were thought to have mystical powers. I mean, other than the fact that she had, like, this cute little, like, familiar pet named the Mundak, which was a kind of deer, she mysteriously disappeared at some point, but a lot of people... But because she disappeared, she's kind of known as, like, a legendary, like, deity in, in a way. Okay, um... The final person is a reporter from South Korea. She's known as Kang Kyung-yoon. Um, she was the one that broke the story of the burning sun, which is the whole, like, Sungri and K-pop, prostitution, spy cam, like, the, uh, it's a whole thing. I don't want to go into that so much. But she's kind of been, like, a trailblazer as a reporter because she's been reporting on, like, Me Too. She's She's been reporting on the, all these, like, really big issues. And it comes at a great risk because I did hear about another reporter, like, ending up dead because she reported on some, like, sexual assault case. So what she's doing is, like, at a huge expense at, of her own safety and maybe if she targets the wrong people, her own career. So it's a really big thing that she's doing this. So she's definitely up there. She's fighting a lot of, like, nepotism and, you know, she's trying to win the court of public opinion. So, yeah, she's another role model I admire. So I need to to rep Yves Fernandez because... She's been one of my favorites ever since I first learned about her. Uh, and for a long time, for a few years. So she was a school teacher, actually, in Leite, who also happened to be the captain of a force of guerrilla soldiers during World War II. She led a group of 110 Filipinos against the occupying Japanese imperial forces. And they were basically armed with a bunch of improvised weapons, like farming tools, uh, things like bone knives, which are like machetes, homemade shotguns made out of pipes, and things like that. She was a very skilled shooter known as a crack shot, um, also very skilled at hand-to-hand combat. And there's this really famous photo of her demonstrating how she would uh, sneak up on and kill the unsuspecting enemy soldiers with her bola knife. I think, believe she's demonstrating on an American soldier. And it's just so nonchalant. Like, yes, this is what I did so many times. She was so troublesome for the uh, Japanese forces that they issued a 10,000 peso bounty on her head for her to be killed. But fortunately, she never was. Uh, She was injured once. A bullet, I believe, grazed her arm. But yeah, she remains a very inspiring figure in history as somebody who went out there and fought when 
she was needed to defend her country and her homeland. Something that I didn't previously know that I found out while researching her is that she also ended up having to defend herself and her party of soldiers against a hostile group of British forces who turned on them, basically, in the jungle. Like, they were supposed to be allies, but for some reason, they decided to just attack them. And uh, she did prevail and ended up winning and, and saving her company. And I also wanted to talk about a woman who wasn't necessarily martial, because there are different ways to have strength. So I wanted to highlight Eugenia Apostol, who is also known as the Grand Dame of Journalism. Uh, she's famous for founding the Philippine Daily Inquirer, but she was also a very important figure who led to exposing and uh, bringing on the downfall of two Philippine presidents who were very corrupt. Um, she actually started her career as an activist. Uh, she wrote about um, the Catholic Church in the 1950s in a paper called The Sentinel, and she had some very little views writing about women's issues at the time that angered the church. So she didn't care. She wasn't afraid to, to speak her mind and to really push where she needed to push, even early on. And so later during the martial law era, she continued this descent and uh, she was the owner of a magazine called Mr. and Miss in Ms. Magazine and uh, published pieces that were critical of the administration. At the time, uh, you might be familiar with Marcos Ferdinand. So yes, during the martial law era, she continued her legacy of dissent by pushing pieces that were critical of the Marcos administration in the magazine that she owned at the time called Mr. and Ms. Magazine. Fortunately, she got away with doing that because she and her husband were good friends with a government official, the defense secretary at the time, Juan Ponce Enrile and his wife. So she had a kind of buffer protection there. After Senator Benino Aquino Jr. was assassinated uh, because he actually was exiled and then came back to challenge Marcos and he was murdered the second he set foot on Philippine soil. And it was very clear that you know this was government doing and all of the national papers were silent about it, trying to cover it up. And this was basically the final straw for her. So she set her magazine to do nonstop coverage of that assassination and that story. 
just constantly putting pressure and getting the word out that this is something that happened and it was suspicious and we should all be concerned. And it was actually very instrumental to getting the public to be angry at Marcos because not a lot of people were necessarily aware or understood what was going on, why he was a corrupt uh, president. Uh, there are actually a lot of people who still look at the Marcos era fondly because he did make certain advances in infrastructure, like raise the literacy level and all of that. And so I'm sure there are plenty of people who didn't see him for what he was beyond those things. Later on, she also founded the Pinoy Times and used this publication to basically counter President Estrada's call to boycott another one of her magazines, the Philippine Daily Inquirer, uh, because he was very corrupt and was trying to sue a bunch of publications for covering government corruption, uh, basically to silence journalists. And so she made sure that uh, the publications that she was involved with were easy for people to afford and easy to access and uh, easy for people to read so that they could educate themselves and uh, not have to have the truth hidden from them, basically. Uh, some tangent that I wanted to touch on, too, is that going back to the Marcos regime, not a lot of people were necessarily aware of this, but like many other dictators uh, and strong-arm fascists who were cropping up in a lot of non-Western countries at the time, he had U.S. support. This shit has happened all over the world. It's an imperialist, neo-liberal, and also neo-colonial tactic for Western powers to basically lend their uh, money, their military, their, uh, their spies, things like that, in order to prop up governments and political leaders who are sympathetic to them in order to basically secure their own personal gain through you know financial deals that are favorable to them, access to resources, that kind of thing. And this was no different with Marcos because Ronald Reagan loved the guy, was, was truly charmed by him, and additionally was definitely also an imperialist. He was quoted as saying, if the Nazis during World War II and the Soviets today could recognize the Caribbean and Central America as vital to our interests, shouldn't we also? If we can't defend ourselves in Central America, we cannot expect to prevail elsewhere. Our credibility would collapse. 
our alliances would crumble, and the safety of our homeland would be put at jeopardy. And so here Reagan is making this very supposedly patriotic speech, but that patriotism is built on basically securing control over other nations so that the world sees you as a world power, which is not a noble thing and is very much the opposite of the whole world police image that America likes to paint itself with. So just a friendly reminder that this has been going on for some time. And my modern woman selection is Ruby Ibarra. I had never, prior to hearing her music and coming across her as an artist, I had not really considered that medium as something that could be empowering in the way that it was. She's a Filipina rapper who last year released a single called Us, which was a collaboration with uh, other Filipina artists, Rocky Rivera, Classy, and Faith Santia. And uh, if you want to know more extensively about that, I wrote an article about it for April Mag about the significance of that song and the music video that accompanied it. Uh, basically, I loved how it connected women in diaspora to the homeland in such a, a deep and meaningful way and uh, empowered us by drawing on our history, the history that we carry in our blood of challenging oppression. Like we're, we're not sitting here demurely and passively and letting things happen to us. We've been instrumental in a lot of the resistance against imperialism and colonialism and all of those things for 500 years. I also really liked the reference in that song to the United Farm Workers Movement in the 60s which was spearheaded by Larry Itlion and Dolores Huerta. Briefly, they basically united farm workers who were being exploited. They had terrible labor conditions, were forced to work ridiculous hours with no breaks, they weren't being paid enough, and together they orchestrated a massive labor strike as well as a boycott of the grape growers who were exploiting them. And um, Isang Baksak was the, the unity clap or the, the rallying cry for uh, this group because they didn't necessarily know how to communicate with each other because we're uniting the Filipinos and Mexican workers. And so this was one way to, to stand in solidarity. So literally the phrase isang baksak means one fall or one down. But uh, figuratively, it symbolizes that we all rise and fall together, which is basically the heart of collective action. And that kind of brings me back to the collective action of people telling Sephora to drop Olivia Jade because they want to impose consequences on people who need them imposed on them. So in conclusion, I hope that the women that we talked about today 
have inspired you to learn more about your own history, about the women who have made an impact in the world? Yeah, I really recommend, like, if you can try and delve into, like, Southeast Asian history, there's a lot of, like, women who are leaders and who displayed, like, intelligence, like, courage, leadership. And it's interesting because those types of narratives would really work well, but everyone's just focusing on, like, white women and Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman as, like, you know, their symbolism of what women can be, but there's actually real people that you can look up to. Yeah, we don't need to fall in line behind, you know, just what society says is the image of an empowered, strong woman. We have a wealth of history that we can draw upon. And uh, you might find it really empowering to just learn about that. And uh, maybe that'll inspire you to go out and make waves in your own way. Should I mention that I'm releasing something? Oh, yes. This yes. month? Sure. <laughs> let's let's promo this shit. Ugh, okay. Because, like, me announcing it... Yeah, me announcing it will, like, finally make me rush and, like, try and get it done. But, like, because it's International Women's Month and, like, being procrastinating for, like, months on this, so... I feel like now's a good time. So I'm going to be releasing like a video on like the history of Asian women, sort of like a very condensed, limited, general thing. Because if I had to cover everything, it would take a long time. Because I was like sifting through a lot of stuff and there was like so much information so much crap. I mean, I, I really don't want to end this on like a bad note because we're trying to be like positive and happy and stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I won't go too much detail, but it, I don't know, writing it made me depressed, which is probably why it took a long time. Because researching it was the whole thing and then writing it and then getting angry and sad and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, we're hoping that this will reach people in a way that articles or even podcasts won't because ideally this will be split up into bite-sized sections that are easy to consume, so. I mean, I can't hack it as a writer, so I'm like, oh, video, look at these pretty pictures. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of information in there, some of which I wasn't aware of previously, so it will be eye-opening. Oh, that... <laughs> There's a lot more I didn't include. <laughs> oh, God. I, I was trying to condense it. I mean, yeah, so watch out for that. Pay attention. Uh, you can, like, subscribe with the bell icon on YouTube or, like, just follow our social medias. And I'll be sure to make a big announcement thingy of it later. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that episode and we hope you'll join us for the videos that are going to be coming out soon. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>